Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, church, now, where we left off last week, remember, we looked at the first six verses of chapter 3. If you are new or, or to Calvary Chapel, you know we go verse by verse by verse by verse, and so we covered the first six verses. Now, here's what we learned. It was something very interesting. We learned that Paul is writing to refute the Judaizers, okay? Now, the Judaizers had sort of infiltrated the church, And what they try to do, guys, is they try to marry the law to Christianity. Okay, very, very important. Now, you're thinking, um, Ben, 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 who are the the Judaizers? That's a good question. Guys, if you're taking note, they were these so-called believers who believed in the grace of God, but insisted, everybody say insisted, that they keep the law as well. So these are Judaizers. They were according, the word comes from the Greek verb meaning to live according to Jewish customs. They would say, I believe, but now you got to keep the law. I believe, but now you got to keep the Ten Commandments. I believe, but the, you guys see, anytime you put a but there, then something changes. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Right? Have you ever told somebody, you're a wonderful person? But, well, that just changes everything. You're like, man, I didn't even hear the first part. That's exactly what they're doing, okay? So, Paul is not only writing to refute the Judaizers, but he's also writing to reconcile the believers back to him. You go, how so? Well, put on your thinking caps, guys. Many people in the church had begun to oppose Paul's authority. Well, who does Paul think he is? Well, who does Paul think? I don't understand who Paul thinks. Man, does this, I don't even know if he's an apostle or a B-postle or whatever kind of apostle. I'm not sure who he is. And they started really challenging his authority. You guys with me? They started challenging his authority. And when you challenge his authority, guys, they begin to challenge the gospel message. And there was a lot of opposition in Corinth. So much so that Paul says, Oy vey, I've got to make a painful, I've got to make a visit. Well, it didn't go as planned. It was very painful. You go, why? Man, he's calling out people. He's pointing fingers. He's saying enough is enough. Now, here's what we need to understand. If they were just upset with Paul, okay, if they were just thinking, well, we just don't like Paul, it wouldn't have bothered Paul at all. Paul realized that when he was um, there in Damascus and the Lord says, listen, let me show you all the things that you're going to suffer, Paul would have been like, okay, I know people are not going to like me. You understand that? When we follow Jesus wholeheartedly, people aren't going to like us. In other words, when you take a stand via Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be, for the Lord Jesus, you're going to get opposition. Can I get an amen? Uh, Here's why. The governor of the great state of California issued a decree where churches could not sing or pray out loud. That's, you don't sing in church. Okay? Many of my Christian brothers said, no, 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 no. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. We're going to pray because this is our right to our holy God. But then you get a lot of opposition. Paul understood that. You guys with me? Paul understood that there was going to be this thing. Now, now here's the thing, guys. Now, 
it wouldn't have been a big difference. Okay? But since the message was tied to his name and his integrity, the gospel of grace, he says, no, 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 no. See, now I've got to, now I've got to do something. Now I've got to say something. You understand? They, he had to confront those who were opposing him. Why? The message would get lost in the shuffle. If he didn't say something, then they go, oh, uh, we don't like Paul. And if we don't like Paul, we don't like his message. And if we don't like his message, then the gospel of grace, the gospel of salvation could be lost. You guys with me? So Paul's like, man, no, 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 no. I got to stay. I, I, I've got to say. So Paul's not just going, well, you don't understand. You guys know like me, like you. Nah. And he's, he's going, no, no, it's, it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's deeper. So what happens? He confronts them. He talks to them. So after some time, most, but not all of the Corinthians realized their arrogance, and they went and apologized to Paul. Paul, we're so sorry. You're right. You're so sorry. You are called by God. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit. Paul, we're so sorry. Now, I said most, but not all. Not all. You still had those people who crossed their arms and said, I don't like Paul. I don't know who he thinks he is. No, bro, but, that's, but, but, but you understand, Paul is called by God. No, I, and so most, but not all. They realized, Paul, we're sorry. Their heart was broken and they wanted to reconcile back to Paul. Well, in our study, guys, we learned last week that many were still dazed and confused. There were still many in the church. And they're, they're, they're basically saying, are we under the law or are we saved by grace? Or are we saved by grace alone or are we saved? So they're, they're just kind of confused. Now, the book, guys, is relevant to us today because many people don't understand the gospel of grace. They don't understand it today. And listen, even today, we still face the same kind of people. Now, let me just say this. I got to be really, really careful. There are loving, loving people who sort of misunderstand God's grace. You guys with me? And what they do is they believe that they're under God's grace, but they still must keep the law. And, and I say loving because they're not bad people going, well, you need to keep, they're just going, hey, this is what we, we, we think we, we need to keep, we need to keep, we, we see that today. They believe that the law doesn't save them, but in order to be a good follower of Jesus, they say you must keep the 10 commandments. Well, what they don't realize is out of the 10 commandments came 613 more total. Can you keep 10? I don't know. Can you keep one? The Bible says if you stumble in one part of the law, you're guilty of all. So you're like, ah, man. Huh. Imagine 613. Don't blink twice or it's against the law. You know what I mean? You're just like, I don't know. That's not, that's not a law, but you guys know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Now, listen, listen. I'm all for keeping the Ten Commandments, but not as a means for salvation but as a means to live life. Y'all look at me like, how so? What, what, what do you mean? I get that look, okay? But listen, I know we're saved by grace through faith. Amen? But God gave us some good, what I call guardrails to keep us on track. You guys know what a guardrail is, right? We were watching the show last night, and there was a guy, and the policeman kept saying, get over the guardrail, it's on the highway, get over the guardrail, and just then, 
a car hit the, tr I mean, almost pinned him between the truck and the guardrail. And I thought, God put good guardrails so that we could be safe. You go, well, like what? Okay. He calls them commandments in the Old Testament, but I, 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 like, I like good guardrails. You go, well, like what? Well, give me, let me give you an example. One of the guardrails, one of the commandments is do not steal. That's a good, that's a good guardrail. Amen? And you go, Why? Well, here, here, here's where the thing. Listen, I'm glad for this because as believers, guys, you shouldn't steal. You shouldn't take anything that is not yours. That's called, okay, some of you are with me. But I also like it because I don't want somebody to steal from me. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When somebody gets in your personal space and violates your, your private, like they stole something from me and you weren't there, it's, it's deeper than, hey, they took, they took my hammer or they took the, it's like, man, they violated your, your, your private space. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like weird. You're like, oh, I didn't like, I don't like that feeling. So when the Lord says, don't steal, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I don't want somebody coming in and stealing what I have, nor do I want to steal from somebody other. Right now, here's what we need to understand. This is a good thing, but not because it saves. Here's why. Because if the law said do not steal as a means of salvation, then we all broke the law. Now you're looking at me go, Ben, I've never stolen anything. I think we've all stolen something at one time or another. Don't you agree? Right. You go, I have not stolen anything. I have not even taken a paperclip from my boss. I have not stolen one thing. Here's the thing. If, the, if your boss pays you for eight hours, and during those eight hours that you're not on your break, you get on your phone and you scroll Facebook, guess what you just stole? Time from him. Oh, I'm not going to come to this church if he's going to talk about that. But, but the point is it's not, it's not a means of salvation. It helps me realize that I break the law that I need Jesus. You're like, oh. So that's a good thing, right? And we don't have time to go through all 10, but you guys know this, right? Here, here's another one, right? He says what? You shall have no other gods before me. That's commandment number one. Don't have idols. And yet it was Tim Keller who wrote, our hearts are idol factories. And we tend to put gods, we tend to put idols above God. Okay, y'all are looking at me like, like, what are you talking about? Hey, have you ever, let me just say this. Have you ever read the Old Testament in particularly um, the Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and you see that one king will step up and be like rocking for Jesus, right? And then the next king did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then the next king will come up and he said, oh, he was all right, but he didn't really get it. And, and I started looking, I said, man, that's almost like the human heart, isn't it? It's like, like one week I'm like, Yeah. Doing good. How you doing, man? I am doing good with God. Me and God are tight. And it seems like the next week I'm like, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> like, oh. Can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's us. That's us. I'm glad I'm I'm glad y'all are we're honest, right? You're just like, that's just you, Pastor Ben. You're weird. But the, the point is, is, is that again, I love I love the law because it, it brings me to Jesus brings me to Jesus. And all I can do is fall on Jesus. Listen, I don't know about you, 
But when I come to die, and the, and the last breath in me is what? It's an exhale. Give me Jesus. I am not going to say, boy, I wish I worked harder. Boy, I wish I stayed at the office longer. Boy, I wish I would have done. Boy, I wish I, you know what I would have said? Just give me Jesus. With our dying breath, we should go, Jesus. That's, that's what we're all about, guys. Why? The Bible says that God has put eternity in your heart. And now that you're believers, you know that it's there. You know. You know where your, where your home is. You know where your destination is. You're going there. Now, you're just passing through earth. You guys get that, right? This is not our home. This is not our home. We're sort of like on vacation, but we're sort of homesick. Do you ever get homesick? Ah, I just, I miss home. That's kind of what's going on here. That's kind of what's going on. So what does Paul do? Well, last week, if you remember, he taught us two important principles. You guys ready? These are so key. These are so key. Why? Because in verses 1 to 3, he taught us that you are, you are living letters of God's grace. That is so amazing. Why? Because the people in Corinth said, Hey, Paul, we want proof of your authority as an apostle. I love Paul's answer. You know what Paul says? He says, you want proof of my ministry? You want proof of God's grace? He says, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Your proof. Your proof. As people take a good look at your life, then they can see our ministry from the Lord. Now, here's the thing, guys. I want your life to reflect Jesus, not Calvary Chapel. Okay? Calvary Chapel is a tool, but when people read your life, they don't just want to read that you go to a good church or you belong to this church or you have gone to this church or, or you're just an attender. Amen? What I want people to see is Jesus is real. He's real. How do we know Jesus is real? Well, let's look at our lives. We should have a life. We should have a heart full of grace and mercy and compassion and brokenness and humility. We should not walk in pride. We should seek the Lord and ask him, and this is who we are. Okay, God, I just want to. People are going to read my life. What are they going to read? And Paul points out you. Your life, listen to me, the way you live, the way you behave, the way you, dare I say, pay your bills, it speaks volumes of the gospel of grace. Why? Because a changed life speaks volumes. Amen? One person, thank you, brother, thank you. Now, you've heard it said that a picture is worth a thousand words. Anybody hear that saying? You know what Paul is really saying? He's saying a changed life is really worth a thousand pictures. And people are reading your life. Guys, I think about about Joseph in Genesis. I think about him. Do you realize at 17, he was facing an, an incredible, unbelievable world? He was going from his brothers who loved him. He was going into Egypt. He had no idea. He was sold as a slave. But you know what I read in Joseph's life? It's the same life I want to have. Why? 
because as he, as he, as he began in a brand new world, guys, he said, I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to keep my eyes on God regardless of what happens. And so what happens, he got sold into a band of Ishmaelites. He got sold into Potiphar's house. God was with him. Then guess what? Falsely accused. Now he ends up in prison. Do you know what he never said? I'm so <laughs> He never said that. He kept his eyes on God and he said, okay, this is what, I, I, I want that in our world. Man, it's been a struggle this week because I really want that. I really want the fact that I want to see every opportunity as an opportunity for Jesus. You go, what do you mean? The governor says, hey, listen, I'm going to mandate masks. Well, then I want a mask that says Jesus loves you. I want to, if I have to, I want to preach the gospel. Let's get a mask that says the Romans road or something. You know what I'm saying? But we want to tell people as much as we can. We want to love them. But I want to look at every opportunity as an opportunity to promote the God. I want that heart of, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when the enemy comes against you. It's hard when you're being attacked. But I want the heart of Joseph. Why? Because when I read Joseph's life, I go, man, I want that heart. I want that heart. I want to be the little boy who was so optimistic so full of life that when his enemies threw him in a barn full of manure, he was so excited. What do you mean? He was jumping. He was throwing manure everywhere. He was so excited, and they thought he was crazy. And I said, dude, you're in a barn full of manure. And you know what he said? With so much manure in here, there's got to be a horse in here somewhere. That's the attitude we need to have. That's the attitude. The second principle that Paul taught us, guys, is he said, look what Jesus has done. Look at the new covenant, guys. The first thing we must underline and grasp is, is what Jesus did by bringing the new covenant. Okay? If you're, if you're just taking notes or you haven't, the Old Testament was Old Covenant. As Jesus came and died on the cross, he brought, he brought the new covenant. You go, what's the new covenant? Jot this down. Matthew 26, verse 28 says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is set, shed for many for the remission of sins. That's the new covenant, that Jesus Christ shed his blood for the remission of sins. Ooh, that should get us excited. That should get us excited. But guys, we should be just be, woo. Why? My Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary so our sins can be forgiven. That's what Jesus did. Jesus shed his blood, guys, listen to me, so that we can live in peace. Is there peace in your heart? Jesus died on the cross so that we can have joy, everlasting joy. Wait, Pastor. Does that mean we have to be happy all the time? No, happiness and just being happy doesn't, I mean, because there's circumstances in life that, that bums you out, right? But it's the underlying joy where you're just like, I know I'm not having a good time right now, but I still have joy. I'm not having a good time right now. Things are just, it's just really a super bummer week, but you know what? It's okay. Here's what I want you to think about, guys. Think about COVID-19. I can't stop thinking. I, okay, think about coronavirus. Think about all this that we're entering into the right world, okay? Where is your hope? 
Your hope isn't in the government fixing this thing. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. Here's what breaks my heart. What breaks my heart is that unbelievers, where's their hope? Where's their hope? I said this yesterday, but guys, you realize that in our world, we're under so much stress. As a matter of fact, Paul said to Timothy, he said, in the last days, super pressure, stressful times will come. In the last days. He said that. I mean, I feel like you, you ever blow a balloon so much that if you barely touch it, it's going to pop. I mean, it's to the very end. And then, and then people are walking around with a needle. And, and you're listening, whoa. And, and That's how we are right now. But I wonder, unbelievers, where is their hope? Where's their My hope is in Jesus. Listen, okay, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to wait. God, what are you going to do? But at the end of the day, my hope is in Jesus. God has got this, right? The battle belongs to the Lord. But what about unbelievers? Where's their hope? Their hope is maybe the government will fix it. Maybe there'll be a vaccine. Maybe I won't get sick. Maybe you guys know all the scenarios. You know all the scenarios. Guys, Jesus died on the cross so that we could long for home. This is a message, guys, of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's the new covenant. And so what Paul says now, now, here's his things. He says, let me illustrate what he just taught us. In verses 7 through 18, Paul takes us to the Old Testament life of Moses, specifically when he received the Ten Commandments. You guys remember? You go, well, I wasn't there. Okay, go back to the movie, <laughs> The Ten Commandments, and think of Charlton Heston when he got this. That's, that's the closest you can get. But I want you to see, guys, as an intro, look at verse 6 with me, verse 6b, if you will. Paul writes, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. That's what he says. Now, the letter is the law. He says, the letter of the law kills, but the Holy Spirit gives life. Now, he's going he's gonna to illustrate this point, okay? You go, how so? Well, look at verse 7. He says, if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious... So that the children of Israel could not look steadily on the face of Moses, but the glory of his countenance, which, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? That's a good place for an amen. You go, Ben, I didn't understand it. Okay, let's talk. He says, but the ministry of death, what does that refer to, guys? It refers to the law, particularly the Ten Commandments, was was written engraved on stones. You guys remember? Dun, 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 right? Written by the finger of God, right? We saw that on the stones. Everybody's, everybody remembers that. Well, it's actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 10. It says, then the Lord delivered to me two tablets of stone written with the finger of God, and on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assemblies. He goes, this is God. This is so cool. This is so cool. So Omo goes up to Mount Sinai. God writes the Ten Commandments with his finger, gives them the stone. You guys know the story, okay? They were written on stone. This, guys, check this out. This showed, since the law showed man his sinfulness and gave him no power to break out of it, it ministered death. Why? Really simple. 
okay? Let's just say, let's just say, okay, here it is. The only way you can be saved is if you kept the Ten Commandments and you kept all of them. But I said, okay, here's the last one. Thou shall not lie. How many of you have ever lied? Come on, let me see the hands. How many of us have ever lied? If you didn't raise your hand, you just broke the, the, the law right now, right? Because you're lying. We've all told a fib a time or two. We've all, we've all done that. You see, so, so we, we're, we're not saved. So it ministers death. It ministers death. But what we need to understand, according to our text, is that there was glory in the Old Testament. Paul says, man, that was glorious. So much that the children of Israel could not look on the face of Moses because basically his face glowed in the dark. Right? Let me just say this. When Moses got the law, you knew which tent he was in. Hey, Mo, can you turn off the nightlight? Sorry, that's in my face. That's how much he, I mean, that's how it was. He just radiated with that. Okay? Yet Paul says, guys, let me remind you, it, it, it's also passing away. See, that, that glory didn't last. So Paul asked the question, will not the ministry of the Holy Spirit radiating in your life even be more glorious? If Moses over here was like, Light bright, but it started to fade. He goes, the Holy Spirit in your life, it remains. It remains. How is it remaining, guys? Well, you remember my Jesus said, it's better for me that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. It's to your advantage. You go, yeah, I remember that. See, now the Holy Spirit lives inside you when you give your life to God. And that's what radiates. It's the Holy Spirit in you. As a matter of fact, it reminds me of a story. Think about this. A little boy who was flying a kite, he decides to go out fly a kite, real windy day. The kite kept going higher and higher, and he's just holding, you know, letting out string, letting out string. It's higher, higher, higher. Fella comes by, and he goes, son, I don't see a kite out there. How do you know? How do you know that uh, you even have a kite up there? And the little boy smiled. He says, because I can feel it. And although we can't see the Holy Spirit, we should be able to sense his work in our lives, changing us into the image of Christ. Every day, guys, we should walk a little bit more like Jesus. Every day, just a little bit. If you look back at your life in the last year and you go, man, I don't feel like I've changed, then I'd go back and, ch and check. Hey, Lord, where, where am I with you? I don't feel like I've changed at all. The same things that bugged me back in 1987, 97, 2007, 2017, they're still really irking me today. Lord, help me to grow in your grace. I haven't changed. Because that's, that's the glorious work of God's Holy Spirit. Paul goes on in verse 9, he says, For if the ministry of condemnation, guys, what is that? That's the law, had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Okay? Even, for even what was made glorious had no glory in respect because of the glory that it excels. Now, you know what Peter said about Paul? He says, man, Paul uses a lot of words, and sometimes it's confusing. And he does, right? When you read that, you're like, Paul, just say it in English. Just say what you're saying. But here's what he's really saying, okay? I love that. He says, if the old thing, the law, 
brings condemnation, if that was glorious, he said, how much more glorious the new covenant by faith makes us right with God. As a matter of fact, the first glory wasn't really glorious compared to the glory of the Holy Spirit transforming in your life. That's what he said. Then you're like, whoa. And although God's splendor shone on the face of Moses, it cannot compare to the splendor of the new covenant in your face. You ever go somewhere that maybe it's a Christian event and you meet somebody that you've never known and you guys are like, you're like, man, I feel like I've known you. You become friends instantly. Have you ever done that? I mean, you can feel, why? Because it's the spirit. It's like, oh, I see the glory. Oh, you see the, oh, my spirit bears witness of your spirit. You also know when somebody doesn't have the spirit of God in them because your spirit is uneasy. You're like, oh, something's not right. Something's not right. And although God's splendor, guys, it just, that was amazing. Think about it. Could you imagine Moses walking through the camp? That's God on his face. Paul says, no, 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 it's so much better on your face. Look at verse 11, guys. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. In other words, he says, take a good look in the mirror. Why? Because God never meant for the glory of the Old Testament to remain. It was to fade away for the abounding glory of the gospel. He never meant that. Okay? So if the old way has been replaced with the glorious with glorious, how much more glorious is, is the new, which remains forever. You guys with me? It's a really simple illustration, okay? Let's say that this right here, guys, right here, this is the ministry of the law, okay? Paul says, look at this, check it out. Paul says, this is us. This is the glory of the law. And here, and here it is. And everybody goes, wow, cool. But look, it, it, it didn't last. He says, that's the law. But he says, but the grace of God, guys, the grace of God that lasts forever is much more. He says, look, that's you. That's you. You're no longer under the law, which fades. But, but this is going to be you burning bright for Jesus. Let me illustrate it the way my pastor did at one point. Do, last night, we celebrated with fireworks. And we heard, we heard a lot of ahs, ooh, wow, right? Some glorious fireworks. That was like the law in Moses' day. Why? Because it went up, and everybody had, ooh, ah, and it faded away. But you know what remained? The brightness of the stars. And so the question is, do you want to be a firework or do you want to be a star? I don't want to keep the law and be burnt out and, and, and oh, everybody's like, ooh, ah, pff, ooh. I want to be a star that when the smoke clears, I shine bright. Here's why. Because there may or may, I have to be careful because it's, it's July 5th. There may or may not be fireworks tonight. There shouldn't be. But you know what will be there? The stars. The stars. 
Look at you guys. You're still burning bright. You're still burning over here. The match has been out a long time. Look at this. Match has been out a long time. Match has been out. You're still burning bright. You're still burning bright. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you. That's glorious. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Paul's saying. And then he says in verse 12, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Wow. Whenever we see a therefore, guys, we need to go back to see what it's there for. I just showed you the, the illustration that we used. And Paul says, therefore, because we are this candle, we are this glorious. He says, because of that, we can speak bold. Man, the Holy Spirit inside us. What did Moses have to do? Guys, if this is Moses, eventually it wore out. He had to wear a veil. But he wasn't wearing a veil to go, hey, he said, I don't want you to see the fading of God's spirit in my face. In other words, I don't want you to see me look like this. So I'm going to put a veil. You guys getting this? Yeah? Everybody getting this? Okay. Okay. Now, since we have this eternal hope, he says, we're very bold. Not like Moses, who had the veil over his face. We see that. Think about Moses for a second, guys. Moses was in the, has been in the presence of God, and his glory reflected his face. But Moses knew that the glory would fade, and so he wore a veil. You're like, yeah, okay. Remember, what Paul is doing, he's illustrating confidence in the ministry with the glorious God of the new people of the New Testament. Here's the new God. This is you. This is you. This is you. And then he says, but here's the problem. Their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remained unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Now, Paul goes a little bit deep here. You with me? He says, he writes that their minds were blinded. Paul says that when they would come and, and, and the veiling of Moses was something parallel to that which lay over the minds of many Jewish people. Remember, he said that, and he said, man, when they would read the law, when they would read the Old Testament, they could not understand. They couldn't understand that this was pointing to Christ. How do you know? Because the Pharisees, instead of rejoicing when Jesus came, actually opposed him and crucified him. They're the ones who knew the law. They're the ones who memorized the first five books. They knew, and they couldn't see it was Jesus. So instead of going, oh, it's, it's the Meshach, it's the Savior of the world, oh my goodness, they said, we need to gather together, holy huddle, Let's, how do we crucify him? He's joining all those people, he's taking our money away. And they could not see what was really going on. But this is also demonstrated, guys. Okay, put your thinking caps on, you ready? When Jesus died on the cross, you guys remember what the Bible says? The temple veil was torn in two. Why? The temple veil represented who? The presence of God. You couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. Right? And Jesus dies. The earth shakes. You guys remember my dream? Boy, we had, a, we, we had a huge earthquake, and I could see the clouds parting, and Jesus said, it's time to come home. 
and the temple veil went, we could now enter into the presence. So what Paul spoke, I mean, this was all, this is, listen, here's what I wrote. You can't make this stuff up. How can you tie all of this thing into the veil of the hearts, to the veil of the minds, and then, and then, and then, and then look what he says. Look what he says. He says, nevertheless, the one who turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Reminds me of old 70s song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. You remember that song? No, you don't. You guys are too young. I get it. But the point is, when you come to Christ, you can see clear. You can see clear. Guys, as long as, the, as they considered the law permanent and married to Christianity, they were bound and shackled. And Paul says, no, when you came to Jesus, guys, the veil was removed from your hearts. Do you remember? Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah on that? Do you remember when you came to Jesus? Do you remember when the veil actually fell? I call them scales from my eyes. I remember. Are you serious? Whoa. Whoa. There's never been a day that I've regretted being a Christian. There's never been a day. I could see what God is doing. I could see his spirit moving in my heart. Now, there's been tough days. Sis, there have been tough days? Yeah. But have you ever regretted coming back to Jesus? No. Because you could see now the veil was moved. Um, I remember the veil was on your, on your heart, on your eyes. And then God did an incredible work, and now you can see. That's the whole song, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was, but now I'm, I once was, but now I, exactly, amazing grace. That's what Paul, that's all Paul, you go, Ben, we could have saved 45 minutes if you'd have just said that and we could have went home. (laughs) You just like to hear yourself talk. No, I don't. No, I don't. But as we close, as we close our study, guys, I want to close with the last two verses, so don't put your Bibles away. Every time I say I'm close, I hear zzz, zzz, zzz. I'm like, no, wait, we've got two verses, go, got two to go. What's that? Verse 17. It says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the Lord's spirit, or where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Don't you just love that? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't this appropriate? Why? Because we just celebrated our national freedom. I do this, okay? Enough said. Don't say any more because you get in trouble. But if you want want real freedom, it's where the Spirit of the Lord is. And Paul says, guys, he says, but we all with unveiled, everybody say unveiled. Say it again. One more time. Unveiled face, you guys got it. Beholding as the mirror the glory of the Lord being transformed into the image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, here's what you guys do look in the mirror, you have an unveiled face, and what he's saying is that you're being transformed by the glory of God daily. Daily. So tomorrow, here's your homework you're going to get up, you're going to get in front of the mirror, and you're going to go, Hey, I don't know who you are. 
because you're being transformed into God's glory. But you can say it's glorious, though. Not because of what we look like, but because of what Jesus in us. I love what Paul says, guys. For the Lord is spirit. And whenever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What is freedom? The ministry of the spirit, guys, brings freedom from the power of sin and death. Those things which the law could not free people from. Guys, I want to close with verse 16 because I think it's so important. Paul writes, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I know we just have a handful of people in here today. And for the most part, I know all of you. And the veil is taken away, and I say amen. Amen. But I also know that there's people out there that haven't come to Jesus. They haven't turned to Jesus yet. I was listening to a song this morning. Maybe you know it. Do you guys know the song, I Surrender All? Oh, I surrender all. You know that song? Help me. Oh, I surrender all. You're not singing with me. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. I'm the only one singing. Come on, do you know that song? Let's try it again. Oh, surrender all. One more time. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. You guys are great. Great, great, great. You know what hit me? The word all. Because I feel like there's people that say, I surrender some. And they're just giving a little bit to Jesus, but they haven't fully dedicated their whole life to him. They've touched the pool. Ooh, Jesus, that feels good. Ooh, great on my toes, but they haven't jumped in. And they're going, I surrender some. Oh, right? And what we have to do is we have to jump in completely. And, that, and that's what Paul's saying. Guys, let's pause. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Maybe you're here today and God's speaking to you through your heart and you're going, man, you know what? You're, Pastor, you're so right. You're so right. I've only surrendered some. I haven't surrendered all. Maybe today God is speaking to your heart and you go, okay, in light of what's happening in July of 2020, pastor, I need to surrender all. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that you go, how, how you have to make that commitment to say, I'm going to do this. 
I'm going to do this. I can't do it by myself, so I'm going to need God's Holy Spirit, but I'm going to get in the pool. And I'm going to get in the pool until Jesus comes home, until Jesus comes back or he takes me home, but I'm getting in the pool. I'm getting in the pool. And it starts with a simple prayer. It's a prayer of belief. Romans says that if you, what? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. So it's a real simple, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I need forgiveness for my sins. I need the guilt and the shame to be washed away. I need you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you died so that I could live. I believe in you. But I'm asking for help right now, Jesus. I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my Lord. Walk with me, Lord. Be my God. Help me to seek you. Be my Savior. I'm ready to go to heaven and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. The cross behind me, the cross in front of me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. If you prayed that prayer, man, and you meant it with all of your heart, I believe Jesus came into your heart and he's going to do that work. And that's where hope begins. Your hope begins in, in Jesus. Hey, if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to just uh, walk with you through this, man. We'd love to pray for you. Please just just email us or just hit a comment. Say, say, uh, Pastor Ben, I prayed that prayer. I want Jesus in my heart. Let the veil be taken away. If you're here today in church, and God is speaking to your heart, and it's a holy moment. And it's not something that you're manufacturing. It's not something that anybody's going to think. I better blow this out before we start a fire. Then maybe today, God is speaking to you. If that's you, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm going to pray. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to make you say a prayer. I'm not going to say, I just want to acknowledge that God has already spoke to you in this holy moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, that we are no longer under the law, but we're under grace. Lord, I pray for the unveiling of our hearts and our eyes to see you. I thank you for those that are watching online. I pray for all of those, Lord, that... that are making their way back to church. But I specifically pray for anyone here who has not given their life to you. And with every eye closed, every head bowed, is there anyone here, just in the quietness of your heart, just in this holy moment, that you would raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me, pray for me. I gave my life to Jesus today. Would you just lift your hand right now so I can see you? All you got to do is just go, Pastor, you were talking to me. Just lift your hand right now. Just lift your hand if God is speaking to you. God bless you, sister. Anyone else? God bless you, sir. God bless you. God is speaking to you. Holy moment. Anyone else? Anyone else right now? You know you're not right with God and you go, but I want to be. All you have to do, lift your hand right now. And I just want to acknowledge you. Anyone else? Real quick. Real quick. 
Father, I pray for these holy moment hands, God, that went up right now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would fill them with that. The veil would, would, Lord, that they don't need anything else but you, but the veil would be taken from their heart and they would be found in you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for our church. I thank you for these beautiful people. I look forward to one day, God, being in heaven with all of them and rejoicing and having the joy of the Lord. But while we're here on earth, let us work together in unity to bring the gospel, to make Jesus' name so famous. Wow, that's our heart. We love you. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.